marketing is your bag, head over to businessofsoftware.org and find out more about our online conference day on the 13th of July that will be tackling some of those tedious marketing issues and helping you see the wood for the trees. Find out more and register now at businessofsoftware.org. Good morning, good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to the Boss Podcast, episode 111. This week, Claire Sudlandrop talks jobs to be done in your copywriting. The Business of Software podcast, sharing sessions from our conferences and discussions with software people that will make you think. Find out more at businessofsoftware.org. In this talk from our online conference in March 22, Claire explains why when software companies write up their homepage, features page or pricing page, they use messages and words their internal team is accustomed to, which just doesn't work. She will offer you some straightforward pointers to help you use jobs to be done, to write in a way that resonates with your ideal customers. Don't forget you can always take part in the next online or in-person boss comp by visiting businessofsoftware.org. Happy listening. This session, yes, is something that was very much positioned as being about copy and, and copywriting. And that is true. But before we zoom into like the copywriting piece specifically, um, I actually want to discuss how uncovering your customers' jobs to be done um, can actually help you make more strategic decisions about where you invest your time and resources in your marketing overall, uh, because copy is just one, um, one piece of that. So make sure that my... Perfect. Okay. Um, so my cursor is working. So I want to start at this higher level because uh, when my business partner and I are typically in initial con- conversations with SaaS founders or, or SaaS exec teams, copywriting isn't often what they have in mind as the solution to a growth problem. Um, so typically we start our conversations with um, these challenges. Um, show of hands, has anyone ever said this about their company or their product? I'm seeing some hands. Yeah, yeah, seeing some. <laughs> right. Um, so, top of funnel, uh, we need help with acquisition. We need more traffic. Um, for everyone who raised their hand and said, yes, we've had that problem before, um, you're definitely not alone. These are very valid concerns to have when you're thinking about what to do next to hit you know, your, the next big revenue milestone that you're aiming for. Um, but even though it's the number one, this, this idea of like top of funnel challenges, uh, even though that's not the number one reason we typically um, are contacted or begin conversations with SaaS teams, most of the time we discover that this really isn't the like silver bullet that they are assuming it is. Um, because most of the time, the company's uh, website traffic volume is actually pretty healthy. Uh, the number of leads or free signups they're getting is, is honestly not that bad. Um, And what we usually find out is the universe of people coming to check out their product or their offering is not the problem. Um, The problem is often that when people get there, when they get to your website or they uh, sign up for something that you're offering, that's really where things start to break down um, more frequently from what we see. Um, And that's really, for a lot of companies, where their biggest opportunity for revenue growth is. Uh, And as you mentioned, Mark, you can kind of can almost begin to see when a company has um, uncovered its customers' core jobs to be done and and applied those learnings. Um, Because before a company has done that, typically what we'll see 
Is it the team, the people who wrote the homepage or wrote the onboarding emails for a product or designed your product's signup experience? Um, those folks are often used to using one set of words and messages to describe what you offer. Um, but we find out that those words and messages that the team uses um, actually tend to mean very little to potential customers. And that's where the jobs to be done framework becomes really useful here. So this session is not necessarily going to be about um, copywriting like uh, best practices or tips, uh, um, tips and tricks. Um, what this is really about is giving you a way to figure out our, is, is our challenge really about driving more people, driving more traffic, or is our challenge actually that the messages and words we're using aren't resonating with the people who are finding out about our, our offering today. Um, so in other words, do you have an acquisition problem truly, or do you actually have a product marketing problem? Um, so while copy, um, copywriting tips and tricks are important and very valuable, um, you can think about this blueprint being the foundation and then copywriting tips and tricks get layered on top of that. So uh, major, I, I always give a major shout out to Copy Hackers um, who has spoken at past um, rounds of boss. Um, she's the, I mean, she's the queen of copy. So I, <laughs> I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to try to imitate perfection. So, um, with that said, just to quickly, um, give some context on who I am and why, why I'm here. Um, so my name is Claire Solentrop. I am the co-founder and COO of Forget the Funnel. Um, we're a boutique growth consulting group and we help SaaS teams go from, you know, ad hoc experiments that help them gain early traction to um, actually putting systems in place for sustainable growth. So we have worked with a, a ton of wonderful SaaS companies over the years. Um, I primarily bring customer research and insights expertise to our partnership. And then my co-founder Gia brings expertise in taking those customer insights and actually translating them into growth strategies that impact revenue. Um, so that's where we're coming from. I also, several hairstyles ago, um, I spoke at Boss 2018. Um, I encountered some technical issues that led to tech support from Bob Mesta um, and also from uh, a doppelganger of Ke uh, <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Um, I will always look back at this. Correction, it, it, it's not a doppelganger. It's actually Keanu Reeves and this is what he does for fun. And he's a really yep. nice guy. I was, I was trying to keep his anonymity, but we'll just let it go. <laughs> um, so yeah, this was probably the most memorable presentation I've ever given. Um, it was also the first time I was speaking about jobs to be done with one of the creators of the framework in the room. So very nerve wracking. Uh, okay, so with that out of the way, let's actually get into what we're here for, which is that blueprint for figuring out whether you have a marketing channels and, and traffic problem or whether you have a messaging and copy problem. So when we work with SaaS companies to figure this out, um, we typically go through these five steps of defining who the ideal customer is, uncovering those ideal customers' job to be done and prioritizing one, uh, and then actually auditing the customer's experience, walking in their shoes um, and identifying where the experience with this product or this company um, misses, misses the mark in what they, what they say their, their core job to be done is versus what the company is saying, um, what the marketing messages are saying. Um, and then bridging the gaps is where you actually start to plug those holes and 
um, see results. So I'm actually going to, throughout this conversation, reference a company called LifeLapse. Um, LifeLapse is just one company we worked with a couple of years ago, and I think their story is helpful for making these concepts a bit more um, concrete because we followed those exact steps. Um, LifeLapse is a self-serve and uh, kind of a, a combination B2C and B2B product, but everything that we're, those, those five steps I'm describing, um, they perfectly apply to um, be like true B2B as well, or um, a less self-serve, higher touch experience. So the the fact that they're B2C does not limit this process from being, from being effective. Um, so when we were working with LifeLapse, they were already seeing um, like thousands of free signups monthly. Um, but many of those signups were people wanting to use LifeLapse for personal use cases. So LifeLapse allows you to quickly make um, fun, like stop motion videos and post them to Instagram. Um, so a lot of, a lot of their free users were using it for a one-off reason. Like they might be creating like a happy birthday video for a loved one or, um, documenting a pregnancy. Um, so these, these B2C users weren't often converting from free to paid and they weren't very sticky because they had such, um, one-off use cases. So the CEO reached out to us because she believed there was greater opportunity in pursuing um, B2B use cases with the idea that they would be a stickier audience, um, they'd be more willing to pay for the value and so on. So when she came to us, she was in the classic, we need to get in front of more B2B users mindset. Um, so she was thinking, you know, hey, this team can help me with a PR strategy to get in front of more like potential B2B customers. They can help me figure out what influencers to partner with, et cetera. Um, that said, we began the process by saying, let's back up on marketing channels you could use. And let's actually understand what this experience was like for those ideal customers you already have and see if we can reverse engineer success. So we worked with her to define LifeLapse's ideal customer. Um, which means the ones who were highly engaged, right? So they, they had adopted it into a regular workflow. They hadn't paid once and forgotten they, they subscribed. Um, they began paying fairly recently so that they would still have the buying journey details fresh in their minds. Um, and then they were also the, the primary champion during the buying process. So we weren't trying to speak to people who, you know, maybe, maybe someone on their team purchased this product for them and said, okay, hey, everyone, we're going to use this now. We were trying to get we were trying to get the get in the heads of people who felt the problem LifeLab solves and sought a solution for themselves. Now, for some companies, there might be more specific criteria. Um, like maybe if you're you're targeting a particular geographic region, you might want to tailor your your research to just that region. Um, there are other criteria that can come into play, but these first three are the most common ones um, that we lean on to define ideal customers for a company. So we conducted the jobs to be done research to uncover you know, the struggles that pushed these ideal customers to seek something like LifeLapse and, and what features and attributes were most important to them as they looked around um, and how their life had improved. Like what was their desired outcome? Um, how were things better now that they found LifeLapse? I'm not going to go deep into interview strategy uh, because Adrian already ran a fantastic breakout session on that topic. Um, if it's useful for anyone, I do have a particular um, set of interview questions that I lean on when I'm running interviews and a quick email script to uh, invite customers to interviews. Um, so if anyone wants 
this resource, um, I can send you the deck and you can grab the link from there. Um, and my emails at the bottom, but this, we won't focus as much on interview strategy because I recognize that's already been covered in a previous session today. Um, once you have conducted that research though, and you have a sense of the, the series of jobs to be done that your ideal customers have exhibited, right? Like why did they seek out your product in the first place? Then you're going to have this really, um, interesting decision-making point at which it's time to figure out, okay, which of these is actually the biggest like business opportunity for us? Um, so who here, can I get a show of hands of who in the past has conducted jobs research or, you know, defined jobs to be done for a particular offering or product? I'm not sure how, okay. So I've got Mark, got Jed. Um, that's not, okay, perfect. So, um, oh, Steven, I saw you raise your hand too. So um, I'm curious how this has played out for you, but typically when we're working with a team, we see, you know, two to three most common jobs kind of bubble up to the surface. Um, and so we then get to have a discussion with, you know, the, the CEO or whoever the decision maker is on which one makes the most sense. Um, and we typically lean on these, um, these, this kind of checklist as a way to vet, like, which of this might be most advantageous for us to focus on. So you typically want to be aiming to solve the job of people who understand the problem you solve and they, they know that they're experiencing it personally. Um, they're willing to pay for value, you know, light support burden, if any, um, high retention and upsell potential. And it's especially helpful if they congregate or group up in ways you can target. So speaking to, oh, Joe, were you raising your hand? Sorry, okay. <laughs> um, so when I say congregate in ways you can target, um, sometimes you'll find that, um, well, for pursuing a B2B use case, for example, many of LifeLapse's customers are creator business owners. Um, they sell jewelry or they sell, um, you know, online courses. Um, and there's a there's definitely a creator community of people on the internet. There are creator influencers. Um, so that's one way that we um, made the decision to prioritize this particular job to be done for LifeLapse. And I'll, I'll show the other one that we decided not to prioritize. So this, this job to be done, when I'm about to start creating, um, actually the other way around, this is, this is the one we did not choose. Um, when I'm about to start creating content for a project for the first time, help me start creating that content that I've just begun working on so I can begin driving interest in and engagement with my project. My writing here was a little clunky, like 2022, Claire would go back to 2019, Claire, and clean this up a bit, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so we decided not to prioritize this particular job to be done as we thought about LifeLapse's um, opportunities because this represented kind of a newbie use case. So people adopting LifeLapse for this reason were just kind of vetting whether you know, social media and, and creating content around a particular offering was worth their time. Um, they were going from doing nothing to uh, experimenting with this for the first time. So they're quite a bit more beginner. Um, generally, we decided that they weren't as viable to focus on as those who had been promoting a brand or a product for a while. So these were people who had been using social media content to drive awareness of their product um, to engage with their audience already. They'd already been on social. They understood how social worked. They were used to paying for tools 
um, for business tools to manage social, like scheduling tools and things like that. So given that they already were, were bought in on the idea that creating social media content could help with their business, um, and the fact that they were willing to pay for tools to leverage social media, our thinking was, okay, they're also going to be more likely to be okay paying for a tool that creates this, this stop motion animation content for them. Um, anyone, before I keep going on, any questions about the decision-making process between those two? I'm happy to chat about this in more like workshop format, if, if that's helpful. Cool. I'm going to keep rolling on, but if at any point that would be helpful, stop and discuss a question, um, just raise hands and definitely let me know. So with that more business, I, I, I'm bought in on social media um, and I want to create more engaging content than I have been previously. With that job to be done in mind, we then audited the entire experience of finding and signing up for Life Labs um, from those customers' point of view. So we looked at any um, advertising that LifeLaps was running currently. We looked at their, um, their listing page in the Apple Store, um, in the uh, Google Play Store. Uh, we looked at the homepage, we signed up for the products, went through the, the onboarding experience, received the onboarding emails that were going out at the time. Um, and eventually, essentially what we were doing was trying to identify the, pr the friction points that someone might run into if they had that job to be done in their mind's eye. If they were looking to create more engaging social media content than they had been previously, um, did the website really explain that that's what they would get out of this product? Um, did the onboard ex onboarding experience introduce them to the features that would help them do that really quickly? Um, and from there, actually, before I get to the from there, this is a just a quick example of um, what that audit was like. So. Um, this was the previous hero of LifeLapse's homepage. Um, and you can see in the, the header, which is shoot stop motion videos up to 10 times faster. The focus here is on doing this thing with speed, right? Okay, so, so speed as like a main um, value add is, is the core focus of, of the messaging originally. Um, the next section down uh, actually was a link to an e-commerce shop in case you wanted to buy a tripod or a light kit to improve the quality of your, of your videos. The next section down um, focuses again on speed here. So in this section of the previous uh, homepage, um, you can see on the left that there's a comparison of a, of a video that was made with um, very fancy professional camera gear. It took a long time. It cost a lot of money. And then there's a comparison video showing that LifeLaps can help you do this in a way that's super fast. So we're leaning into a lot of speed and I'm not really sure what this is. Improve the quality of your videos, I guess. Um, so we then compare that to what did our ideal customers say they were struggling with and, and what words did they use um, when we were doing this research? So, um, are we addressing the, the struggle that they name in the research? Um, do we highlight the attributes, like our benefits that they're, they're going to most understand is tied to their motivation and, and their desired outcome? Are we, are we even speaking their language? Like, are we using the words that they're using? Um, and this is where the copy piece really comes in and where we were able to bridge the gap between LifeLapse's old messaging and copy versus um, messaging and copy that was more aligned with their ideal customers. So this is a screenshot of um, a summary of the research that we did. And the 
everything you're seeing in blue um, are words and phrases directly from those ideal customers. Um, and you can see that when they were describing what triggered them to search for a new solution, they were looking for a new way to create content. They wanted to create something more exciting and eye-catching, um, photos that come to life, creative. So we're, we're, we're seeing a lot of language around, I wanna improve my content. There's nothing in here around speed of creating content or the need to do it quickly. So we proposed a new hero section. Um, we didn't change the design in any way of the homepage. Um, we just changed the copy. Um, so we proposed a new hero that said, increase engagement on social with stop motion. This idea of increasing engagement based on this like more eye-catching content that you're creating with this tool. Um, bring your brand to life with beautiful eye-catching videos. All of that is from customers' mouths. The idea of bringing photos to life, we, we pulled from our research. Beautiful eye-catching videos, we pulled from the research. Um, learn, film, and share your first video in under seven minutes. So that I'm gonna come back to in a moment. In terms of what mattered to folks during their search, um, everything was ease of use. This has to be quick for me to use. I don't wanna spend a bunch of time learning a new tool. Um, so clearly focusing on ease of use was important here and we had to figure out, okay, what, what features does LifeLabs offer that make it so easy to use? How do we prove that rather than just saying, oh, it's easy to use? So something that we found out was people really got it. Um, they really were like, oh, this is going to work for me. When um, they got into the app and they found this amazing library of tutorials that taught them really quickly, here's how to get up to speed with stop motion. Here's some you know, inspiration, here's some examples. Um, and this, this library of tutorials is actually what created that feeling of like ease and, and quick onboarding. So we highlighted that on the new um, homepage. Um, we've got new to stop motion, no problem. We've got you covered with an in-app academy. So we're we're showing we're we're showing off these unique features of LifeLabs and how they create that ease of use. We also recommended a section that was much more about hey, here's the business case for using this product. It can increase engagement, close more sales, et cetera, et cetera. Um, none of this business focused language existed on the original homepage. It was much more focused on consumer use cases. So we launched this new homepage um, with the LifeLabs team and we wait about a month and a half to check in on um, what the what progress looks like. How is this performing? Um, after 50 days, we saw a 93% increase in website visitors signing up. So almost doubled. And uh, what's especially notable about that is the website visit to new user signup rate previously was pretty good. A, 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 a nine to 10% signup rate is um, for something that is receiving as high volume of traffic as LifeLab was, was, is actually very impressive. And we nearly doubled that. Um, and again, this was with not a single additional dollar spent on PR or um, additional ad campaigns. We just changed how LifeLabs was speaking to the visitors already showing up. Um, and again, this was not as a result of just copywriting tips or best practices, but the foundation was understanding what is that job to be done? And from that learning, how can we adapt our messaging, right? So the CEO came to us thinking, we have an acquisition problem. We need to get in front of more of our ideal customers. Um, and after a few discussions and some research, um, it was clear that messaging and copy was really where the opportunity was here. So we lifted that from customers themselves. Um, 
and increased, again, um, what was already a pretty healthy conversion rate. Um, so I've kind of sped through this because I know we've only got 30 minutes. I would be happy to go to Q&A if that's useful. Um, and I know we've got a breakout session coming after this as well. Uh, so we can go a bit deeper dive in there. Um, so I, again, I'm super open to questions or discussion at this point. Hey, Claire. Um, when you found out that uh, folks would um, prefer things to be easy, easier to use, was that a jobs to be done interview or was that collating um, a feedback form kind of uh, more literature way of doing that, if that makes sense? A very good question. So with Life Labs, we did a combination of surveys and interviews. Um, um, so it came from both. And when I say surveys, we weren't getting this information from, you know, like reviews that, that people had been leaving organically. Um, we, we deliberately asked folks when, um, you know, what was most important in our survey we, and interview, we asked what was most important to you as you were looking for a solution like Life Labs. Um, and so the volunteer, like the, the answer that people volunteered was, I just needed something super easy to use. I didn't have, I didn't, I didn't want to learn complicated, you know, photo editing, video editing software. Um, so I hope that's helpful in terms of source of customer data. Thanks for listening to the Business of Software podcast. For more information, go to businessofsoftware.org.